Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is, and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs. My name is Jason Robbins, and we are back for another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And joining me is my lovely, lovely co-host, Derek Diamond. <laughs> How are you this evening, my friend? A uh, little tired. I'm going to be honest. It's been a, a pretty long week with work, but uh, either way, happy to happy to be here. Got uh, my review, Disney Month continues to roll here with the nerd cave retro show so i'll be reviewing toy story a little bit later on which was a fun game to go back and revisit and there there may be a a a news story that i've been wanting to talk about the last couple of days oh yeah do you want to go ahead and just jump right into that yeah sure all right let's do it it's all you so this comes to us from VG247.com. Amazing Sonic the Hedgehog 2 poster goes hard on Mega Drive nostalgia. Paramount's latest take on the video game movie Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is less than a month away from premiering. In efforts to generate a little more hype for the project, the studio has released a new trailer and more importantly, a new poster. As you can see from the image embedded below and the comparison at the header of the page, the folks at Paramount have drawn on classic Sonic art for inspiration for this one. The poster design mimics the old classic Genesis slash Mega Drive Sonic 2 art with Robotnik's angry face seething in the corner as Sonic and Tails stand smugly in the foreground. And a cool little addition, because he wasn't in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the game, if you look at the giant two that Robotnik is holding, you can see Knuckles's face. Oh, I like, didn't ver- even notice that. Very, very faintly in there. So I, I thought that was a a cool little little addition. So what? What? I mean, we talk about the poster first, and then the trailer because they both dropped virtually at the same time. What did you think of the poster? Oh, the poster is just they couldn't have put a better. They couldn't have made a better poster than that like that to to base it off the actual sonic 2 game box art is just genius i'm not gonna lie and i know i'm like the sonic fanboy of the show so i might be looking it through a little bit more of rose colored glasses but this is probably a top five movie poster for me just because you know growing up a sonic fan and Sonic 2 being my favorite of the games and widely regarded as the best Sonic game, to go off your point, to model a poster off of that was just absolute genius. And I'll be honest, I didn't think they were going to do that. I thought you know, the last one they released with all the characters on it, with Sonic and Knuckles about to fight each other and Robotnik in the background, I was like, that's probably going to be it. Yeah, they might I, do character posters, individual ones, but... I thought it would have been more rem- uh, more of a takeoff of the original poster for the first movie. Uh, keep, like, kind of simple, you know, like the original mm-hmm. one was. But, uh, man, when this dropped, it was like, holy crap, that's awesome. So I, I wrote something on Facebook. I shared this, and I said, I've got to get one of these to put in, in my house or my studio. And I got to give a shout out to fellow podcaster Christian Jones from the Fantastic People podcast because he he saw my post and then he messaged me and he said, I, I know somebody, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get you one. I, I was like kind of blown away by oh that. God. But it's I, I absolutely want this poster like I, I would love to get this signed by like the cast of the movie. Yeah, dude, could you, you imagine could how Jim, that would if you could get Jim Carrey's autograph on this? Think of how valuable it would be to have him and Idris Elba. Yeah. (laughs) But they also dropped uh, the final trailer, which gave a little bit more of what we can expect to see as far as the dynamic between the characters. We actually got to hear Knuckles talk a little more. 
I'll be I honest, thought it was. I refrained from watching it because I, not that I don't. I'm just so excited for the movie. I've already seen everything I want to see from the original trailer, so I'm like, I'm not even going to watch this one. I'm just going to go in with what I already know and just enjoy the ride. I can respect that. It does give a, I won't spoil like details of the trailer for you, but it does give a little more dynamic that you can expect from certain characters. And you get to see characters that weren't featured in the other trailers. So I'll just say that. But I truly think, and I said this to you the other day off air, I truly think that this is going to be the best video game movie adaptation that's ever been done because you can, you look at the commercials, you look at the marketing paramount's putting a lot more behind this movie than they did for the first one. Yeah, that's exactly it. That could, because the first one I think was a surprise with how good it actually, it definitely was a surprise how good it actually was. But now that we've accept, like I've, I've said this a hundred times now that we accept the silliness that is that world, we're ready f- to just go bonkers with it. And I think that's what they're going to do, and we're going to be totally on board with it. And I, I'm i so looking forward to this. Like I, I'm just bouncing in my seat waiting to go see this movie. You know, I, I was going back and I listened to a little bit of the, the top five list I did with Reagan and Christian about most anticipated movies of 2022, and this was, I think, four or five on my list. But like, I'm not going to lie. I feel the anticipation even more now that I've watched the final trailer, that I've seen this poster, that I see that those who are making the movie are fans of Sonic. And that's that's what's great about these modern properties now is you have people who grew up like John Favreau and Dave Filoni with Star Wars. They grew up with it. They loved it. And now they get to create it. All the filmmakers who are working with Sonic, they love the video games. So they're getting to bring that character into into the cinematic universe. Yeah. And, and you know, the, it's I don't want to, you know, it's not a, a high bar to climb to be a good video no. game movie. Um you know the the Resident Evil movies are kind of they kind of started off okay and then they became their own thing, not even remotely what the games were about. Then they put out that Raccoon City uh, Resident Evil movie, which I personally enjoyed, but the acting is terrible. But the movie itself looks great because it's all the sets that are the set pieces that are in the movie are exactly like the game. Like, you know, like the police station, the raccoon city itself, the mansion. The problem I had with that movie is you can tell it's made by people that actually liked and played the games, but they tried to smash one and two together into one movie. So you've got the storylines from Resident Evil 1 and 2 in one single movie. And I'm like, you can't do that. If you're going to put this much detail into the characters and the, the sets and, and everything to make it feel like the games, take it one game at a time and tell the story and, you know, let it breathe. Don't try to jam, you know, two games worth of story into 90 minutes. It's just never going to work. I guess if, if I were to have a concern about Sonic the Hedgehog 2, it actually is that. Because with the original, we just got Sonic yeah. and, and Robotnik. But as far as the, the animal characters, we got just Sonic. Now we're getting Tails and Knuckles. So if you look at the trailers and if you're a Sonic fan, you can tell that there are elements from Sonic 2 as well as Sonic 3. I hope that they don't try to do too much yeah. because I initially I was against them bringing Knuckles head, but I know how popular of a character he is. So I understand why they're doing it. I hope there aren't any more except maybe I, I'm sure whatever the mid credit scene is going to be. will probably tease whether it's, you know, shadow metal Sonic, whoever like the, the next character that size with Robotnik's going to be. 
then maybe in the third movie you can introduce Shadow and one other character. Yeah. If you do that, I think you're okay, but we don't need the entire Sonic cast to show up in Sonic 2. See, that's all, always been the problem, especially with like comic book movies and things of that nature. The first movie will be, do really well because you have the main character and you have the, you know, the main protagonist and the antagonist. That's it. You build the whole movie around that, those two things. The second movie is like, oh well, it, the first one's so successful. We've got to, we got to have more, more enemies and and you know more, more uh, you know good guys in there. So we got to you know throw in you know three or four bad guys and you know like it's like why try to like jam all this stuff into the second movie? Just and and honestly, that's. You know, one of the best things I liked about The Dark Knight is, you know, even though they had multiple villains in The Dark Knight, it mostly focused on the Joker. And that's what, I don't, I don't know, I, I hope you're right. I hope they don't introduce way too many of these characters all at once and it just kind of feels, you know, like overdone, I guess. Yeah, I, I my expectations are pretty high i don't think that they'll introduce other characters like amy or shadow until future movies because it, it seems like the the filmmakers and the the creators of this franchise are pretty smart so i'm i'm putting my faith in them 100 i am very curious because as you mentioned the first movie was such a surprise how is this one going to perform now that there's going to be expectations? Because now people yeah. are thinking, okay, we love the first one. Let's see what you got with the second one. But I think I, we're lucky oh, because it, we're, it's also going to be that thing where even us, we're still kind of like still apprehensive, even though the first one was great. Yeah, because I'm curious to see you know what else Jim Carrey does as Robotnik because he was to me the backbone of the original movie. Yeah. So I'm curious to see what he does, what dynamic is Knuckles going to bring? I, I love what I've seen of him in the trailers because I know when like the later run of the comic books and some of the games, they made him to be a little more goofy when he should be. He's the anti Sonic. Like he's not funny. He's, mm -hmm. he takes everything very seriously. He's a badass. So I like that they're taking Knuckles back to that. And I think Idris Elba is a great choice to voice him, especially since they're going to give him his own series. So you want to have a little bit of star power behind it. Yeah. So I, I, I meant to mention this too. The day before the trailer was released, there was actually an alternate version that was called the Sonic cut where it was literally just a bunch of like, fr like freeze framed clips hmm. that played over the span of like 30 seconds. So I downloaded the video and I slowed it down like about as slow as you can make a video. And I looked at every individual picture and they threw in some random funny ones, too. Like they threw in uh, Ben Schwartz, who's the voice actor of Sonic. He was standing on a set wearing these giant Sonic shoes, looking at his watch like Sonic does in the games. There was a picture of Idris Elba laying on a bed doing a sexy pose, wearing Knuckles' gloves. <laughs> but my my favorite was they threw in a picture of the original Sonic design from the movie with a giant circle and a line through it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love what they've been doing with the marketing. Like whoever's been in charge of that has been has been killing it. It's been great. Yeah, I like his last sentence here in the uh, in the article. He said. Uh, it's the first time we're going to see a proper re-release of Sonic 3 for a very long time, so it's nice to see beats of the story getting some love in the Sonic Extended Universe. I can't believe I just wrote that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it also does mention, as a little side note, I think we talked about this last year, but there is going to be a Sonic compilation called Sonic Origins that's going to feature, to my knowledge, for the first time, an actual re-release of Sonic 3 and Knuckles which is, of course, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and Knuckles combined. Mm -hmm. That's never been available on the compilations from what I can remember. So hmm. that'll, that'll be fun to, to go back because I actually never beat that version of the game. Really? So mm. I, I'd love to be able to go back and cross that off the list. 
So uh, you hear that, everybody? We're uh, we're about to enter some serious sonic territory. Sonic territory in the next couple of months. So uh, we're talking about doing maybe a the the weekend it comes out. We're probably going to do our extra episode for next month. Is going to be our review of the movie. So get ready for a sonic heavy month next month. I think. I, I apologize to how unbearable <laughs> I'm going to be. <laughs> Uh, and this next story is from Konami.com. And I'm pretty sure everybody saw this when it dropped the other day. The pizza-eating crime fighters are back with Konami's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Kawabunga Collection. Uh, the most comprehensive collection of Konami TMNT games are coming to Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, and Steam. Uh, the Turtles are back from the sewers with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kawabunga Collection, 13 radical games, from the entire archive of retro 8-bit, 16-bit, and arcade Ninja Turtles titles and their Japanese versions will be coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series XS, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC Steam. Uh, physical retail and digital versions will be available uh, at $39.99, which is uh, not a bad price for this at all. Um, what you get with this... You get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arca actual arcade game, uh, Turtles in Time, the arcade game, the original Nintendo version of Ninja Turtles, uh, Turtles 2, the arcade game for the NES, Turtles 3, the Manhattan Project for NES. You also get the NES version of Tournament Fighters. You get Turtles 4, Turtles in Time for Super Nintendo, uh, Tournament Fighters for the Super Nintendo, the Hyperstone Heist for Sega Genesis, and Tournament Fighters for Sega Genesis, Fall of the Foot Clan, uh, Turtles 2, Back from the Sewers, and Turtles 3, Radical Rescue for the Game Boy. This is a nice little collection for 40 bucks, man. This is kind of awesome. Yeah, they have my money. Yeah, already they have my money. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it was Rampage that posted this on Twitter when uh, when it first dropped. As soon as I read it, like I, it took me everything to not just yell, "Holy, you know what?" At work, whenever I read the article, yeah, this uh, is there, our, there's our, so our, much content. Armez Jackson just wrote in the chat room that Konami also dropped a supplemental list for which ones are for online play, and I just saw this. It's uh, the TMNT the arcade version. Turtles in Time arcade version, the Hyperstone Heist, and uh, Tournament Fighters for the Super Nintendo have online play. Yeah, I mean, even better. Yeah, even <laughs> better. Like, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I just no, wanted no, to no. Throw you're that in before I forgot. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, it's. I don't think you could ask for a much better collection. I, I know that a lot of these games have been re-released quite a few times. But I don't know that we've seen this many, like especially the Genesis games, the Game Boy games, which I never played the Game Boy games. So this gives me either. a chance to go back and do that. That's what I'm looking forward to is the Game Boy versions. Yeah. And also the arcade version of Turtles in Time. Yeah. Like it's such a rarity. Like you get the mm -hmm. SNES version, but people forget that there was an arcade version of that game. Did Both they are great. Have an SNES version of. Uh, the arcade game? I thought it was just an NES version. Uh, see, Turtles 2, the arcade game for NES. Uh, they have Turtles in Time for the Super Nintendo. So, uh, there's a version for SNES, and there's one for the arcade. Okay. There, there's uh, The arcade one was slightly different, I think, but it's been so long since I played it. Uh, because... Uh, I played very few arcade games when I was a kid, but anytime I would go to one, if I saw a Ninja Turtles machine, mm -hmm. I went right to it. It's crazy to, to look at it. When you see all these put together in one list, like, man, that was a lot of Turtles games. I don't, I just don't remember being this many Ninja Turtles games for that era, you know, the 8-bit, 16-bit era. But there was a lot of games for that era. Well, and I know we've talked about it you know, on this show and incarnations of my show, how popular Ninja Turtles, it still is, but especially in the 90s after the, the cartoon series had been around for a few years, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing anything Turtles related, whether it was in the arcade 
uh, electronic sections of stores, seeing video games, action figures. Turtles were everywhere. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I'm, I'm I'm just so excited for this. Like to have all these in one collection in one spot. This will absolutely be a day one purchase for me. Oh yeah. Like I, I don't think you can make a much better collection than than this. And I hope people go back and give the original NES version of the Turtles game uh, a, a chance because that game is better than people give it crap for. No, I totally agree. And maybe with it coming out under this uh, Calabunga collection, it'll get that opportunity. Yeah, I'm we'll really looking forward to the uh, the Game Boy games because I never played any of those. I didn't either. I, I've heard pretty decent things. So though those I'm very excited. The Genesis games, uh, I don't believe I've played. So I, I'm looking forward to going back and playing those as well. Out of all these, I think the one I'm most excited for is to actually have the actual arcade game available to play. Yes. Yeah, that, that'll be... We're, we're going to have to do some multiplayer. Oh, yeah. For this. <laughs> we're going to have to do it'll, some tournament fighter, too. Maybe, might have to have some... Uh, maybe do some brackets or something with the, with the, the, uh, the Discord community. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I would love that. That'd be fun. That'd be really fun. Our next story comes to us from our favorite site, NintendoLife.com. Arcade Racer Sunrise GP coming to Switch this year. If you're a fan of arcade racers like Horizon Chase Turbo and Hot Shot Racing, you want to keep an eye out for Sunrise GP launching this year on Nintendo Switch. Developed by Garage 5 and published by Game Dust, the game mixes themes of racing and traveling into one package, boasting colorful pastel-style art. Uh, both single-player and split-screen options are available, with racing modes like Grand Prix, Quick Race, and Challenges ready to take you across various locales across the world. And there's a pretty nifty photo mode, too, to capture all those lovely sights. This reminds me uh, visually, I, I want to say it was called Jet Set Radio. Yeah, it does. It was the game series. It mm -hmm. reminds me of that. Yeah, very much so. Like, it's got that... Uh like that cell shaded look to it like that animated uh like 2D art but with that you know that 3D look to it with the with the cell shading and it looks really cool it does i don't know if i'll play it cuz most racing games aren't really my thing but i think if you're a racing fan this will definitely be one to look at oh, yeah. visually it looks great it looks fun I might give this a whirl. Uh, and hopefully, you know, Nintendo's been coming out with a lot of, uh, um, uh, like, what am I trying to say? Uh, demos lately? Yeah. Of stuff you can play. Maybe they'll have a demo of this. Maybe so. If there's a demo, I would give that a shot. And then if I like it, then I would lean more towards getting it. But the, the visuals were really what stood out to me because I instantly thought, well, what? What was that game? And then it was like, oh, Jet Set Radio. Yeah. And the next story we have for tonight, uh, and also all of our stories tonight have been submitted to us by I Am The Rampage and Mr. Armez Jackson. If you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. This next one is also from Nintendo Life. Glory Hunters looks like a Game Boy Zelda and plays like nothing else. Uh... The year is 2022, and there's another physical Game Boy release on the way, and it's an analog pocket compatible. It's called Glory Hunters, and it pulls from the looks of A Link to the Past, plus that iconic green-on-green -green monochrome Game Boy color palette. But here's the twist. You progress through the game by earning achievements, not by collecting a bunch of triangles or gems or whatever. With over a 1,000 achievements, 20-plus hours of gameplay, a non-linear story and a huge map that's aiming to be the biggest uh, one in a Game Boy game. Glory Hunter sounds like it'll be a perfect companion for many long night, uh, many long nighttime car rides. That's how we all play Game Boy, right? Uh, it'll be launching uh, its Kickstarter on the 10th of April, 2022, with a release window of 2023 for the physical game. But you'll also be able to grab it on PC and play it on the Analog Pocket, as well as other platforms to be confirmed. Um, this looks a lot like Zelda. Like it, they might actually have Nintendo be like, uh, "Guys, this kind of <laughs> looks a little too close to Link to the Past," or. Uh, 
Yeah, they might be getting an email from Nintendo at yeah, some point. like Link's Awakening. So, yeah, so they mentioned Link to the Past. When I saw the screen caps, I instantly thought, man, this looks like the spiritual successor of Link's Awakening if mm -hmm. I've ever seen it. Oh, yeah. I I would love to play this. I mean, I, I love Zelda. I love top-down, you know, platformers and puzzle games like what a Zelda game is. And this, it looks almost too much like Link's Awakening though like especially yeah. if you if you pull up the article and you see the 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 first set of pictures the one in the bottom right corner the walls of the dungeon like yeah. those look exactly like <laughs> and I don't want to call them out on it because I'm actually very interested in this yeah but it it looks almost too much like Link's Awakening you look at the the picture up above that and it's got these chickens on the screen and I'm like yep those look like Zelda chickens. <laughs> they gonna swarm you if you hit them with a sword. Yeah, and then you got like the bushes and you know the rocks that are uh, like he hexagonal shaped rocks and stuff. Yep. I'm like, I don't know if Nintendo's gonna be uh, too happy about this. Like, I I hope this comes out because I would love to play this. But man, this is. This is a little too close to Zelda that Nintendo might get a little, uh, have their fe feathers ruffled a, li a little bit. If we hear in like the next month or so that they received a cease and desist from Nintendo, <laughs> would it would not, not be surprise surprised me. at all. But, I mean, they send cease and desist out like, you know, they hand it out like it's, yeah. I don't know, like candy. <laughs> but I'd love to play it though. It looks great. Like I, it looks like something I would want to play. But yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the cease and desist to come hammer to come smashing down on this. I'll keep my fingers crossed that it doesn't happen though. Yeah. And our last news story comes to us from hypebeast.com. Dungeons and Dragons Gold Box Classics are coming to Steam, but they won't be remakes. Uh, retro gaming fans will be delighted to learn that. Uh, is it Sneg or S-N-E-G? Uh, probably Sneg. <laughs> Sneg. Even better. I like that word, Sneg. We'll now be bringing back the Dungeons & Dragons Gold Box Classic Series. Due to arrive on Steam, the new revival will bring numerous titles from the 80s series to the platform, including three Forgotten Realms collections, with one from the Eye of the Beholder series, one for Pool of Radiance and Savage Frontier, and a final one for Dungeon Hack and Menzo Baranzen. And it goes on to name a few titles as well, or a few more titles. Uh, it's important to note the revivals are not remakes, but simple ports of the original game. So expect to see the same graphics you enjoyed back in the 80s. So I might alienate a few people from this, but I have never played Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I mean, that's not a, a horrible thing. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't played Dungeons and Dragons since I was like 12 years old. And I've had opportunities. It's just, it's one of those things that's like, I don't know if I can commit to like, you know, six hours every Sunday to, to go play <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. I'd love to, but that's a, that's a time sink. Yeah, that was always my thing. Like, it sounds fun, but I just don't know if I could commit the time. Because that, that's something like you got to go all in or you don't go in at all. Yeah, exactly. And I would love to actually get some of these just to try them out. Because I remember being a kid, you know, going to, uh, you know, the, uh, to buy video games and stuff. And they would have the, you know, these big, you know, they used to have the big box games, you know, for a computer back then. And I would just look at these games and be like, man, these look awesome. I, I wonder what these games are like. And I never played them on any computer I ever had. So this would be cool to go back and just try one just to see what it was like and uh, maybe do a review here on the show. And uh, I, I might do that because, you know, this like this looking at this game art just brings back memories of, you know, being a kid looking at these huge boxes for these computer games and being like, man, I, I wonder what these are like. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what they're like, too, uh, just because it's something I've never experienced before. I'm a little surprised that we haven't gotten these you know, earlier, especially because it's just a straight up port for all of these. Yeah, but that that's the cool thing, though, is that releases like these can be spaced out and you're not just throwing everything out at one time. 
Yeah. But if you're a Dungeons & Dragons fan, might be something to, to look into. Yeah. Uh, up next, we have This Month in Video Game History. On March 16th of 1982, Atari's uh, uh, Atari 2600 version of Pac-Man hits the stores and one of the worst ports of any arcade game ever made. So it wouldn't be in the Mount Rushmore of video games. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you make, like, first off, we've talked about this before a long time ago. The Pac-Man version for the Atari 2600 was proof of concept. Like, it wasn't even, like, supposed to be the retail version. It was supposed to just be a proof of concept that they could do it on the 2600. And they saw it, and they, and they went, great, put it out. And they're like, well, okay. And when they did, there were only 7 million Ataris in the world. They thought that this game was going to be such a killer app that they printed 10 million versions of the game because they thought it was going to sell 3 million more Atari 2600s. And what happened? It led to the downfall of the gaming industry. So thanks, Atari. Or they were thinking, well, this game's going to be so popular, each household has to have more than one copy. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. I mean, given the logic, that wouldn't totally surprise have me. Have you ever played the the Pac-Man for the Atari 2600? No, and to be honest, I don't want to. Kid is a dumpster fire, man. It's so bad. That I wonder if that would be considered like one of like the five worst video games of all time. It's gotta be. It, it's gotta be because I don't even think. Would it be worse than ET? At least ET looked good for, i mean for as simple as that game was it looked good pac-man just was like you expected to play pac-man if you go play the pac-man in the arcade you have a certain expectation for when it comes to pac-man the atari version like it's there's like there's flicker and it just it doesn't even look like pac-man it's like it's I, I, I can't even describe it. You just have to play it for yourself. Just for, if you know anybody with an Atari 2600, just play it. You'll, you'll, you'll play it for about five seconds and you're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Never going to play this again. We should do a Mount Rushmore of bad video games. We should. I mean, Pac, the, the Atari 2600 Pac-Man Pac -Man would be up there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've never played it, but I don't know a single person who has played it that says anything good about it. I would rather have my eyelids taped open and play Fester's Quest for 24 hours straight than have to play Pac-Man on the Atari wow. 2600. <laughs> That's how bad that game is. The hot take. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, that's saying a lot. That is saying a, a, a whole, whole lot. Well, moving on to hopefully a little bit of, of better gaming history. In March of 1984, IBM releases the IBM PC Jr. in an attempt to enter the home computer market. It has improved sound and graphics over the original business-oriented IBM PC, but is a commercial failure. Wah, wah. I, I remember hearing about the PC Jr. when I was like a, a little, little kid. You know what? I remember the commercials for this because this looks really, really familiar. Yeah, like I recognize the logo with the little Jr. by the, the IBM PC. Yep. I, I'm trying to remember if I've ever actually played one of these or played like a computer game. I don't think I did because at my school we used the the little Apple computers. Mm -hmm. Says uh, in at the time it was one thousand two hundred sixty nine dollars with a whopping one hundred twenty eight kilobyte memory and without Man. without monitor. <laughs> Today that would be three thousand one hundred sixty dollars and with the monitor. Uh, the monitor is eight hundred. Uh, be worth twenty six thirty today. Uh, yeah, that's a, a lot of money for for this little thing. 
Can you imagine trying to do this show with 128 <laughs> kilobytes of memory? It would never happen. Like it wouldn't even like it would just stop. Like the computer would just be like, nope, and it would turn itself off. I don't even know what you could if you could even create a file that small. No, these days. Let's see. No, you could not. March of 1991, AOL, SSI, TSR, and Stormfront Studios collaborate and launch Neverwinter Nights, credited as the first graphical MMORPG. Uh, and from what I understand, people still playing it, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. I just love the name Neverwinter Nights. Yeah, that's a it cool It sounds name. like a, it's a cool name for a game. And I, I had no idea that this was the first credited MMO. So I'm like, I want to find all the, the creators that be like, so you started this trend. <laughs> uh, here's what I was thinking of. I said in 2012, a single player conversion of Neverwinter Nights was released for unlimited adventures after two years of development. Because it went from 91 to 97 on AOL. Hmm. Do we talk about the single player version? I think we have before. Because I know we've talked about Neverwinter Nights before. Yeah, the, the single player concept does sound familiar now that I'm thinking of it. Now I think I can see the actual cover of the game. Is there a link here? Let me look. Uh, no. No, no, no. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Neverwinter Nights. Neverwinter okay. Nights. While you do that, I'll... Uh, I'll oh, I'll, yeah. We've talked about this before because this sounds... Uh, this I recognize this logo. Uh, it was developed by BioWare. Uh, and Obsidian Entertainment, based on the Forgotten Realms campaign setting of the D&D role-playing game, it is unrelated to the 1991 Never Neverwinter Nights game online game hosted by AOL. Okay, yeah, well, they're, they're two different games. That's interesting gotcha. to know. Yeah, that is very interesting. Uh, March 11th of 1995, Square releases Chrono Trigger for the Super Nintendo, which I know is widely regarded as quite possibly the best uh, RPG ever made. Certainly one of the best for the Super Nintendo. It's what we reviewed for our 200th episode, which doesn't seem like that I long know. ago. <laughs> I need to go back and finish it is what I need to do. Yeah, me too. I, I love I love a lot about this game, and I think I said it whenever we reviewed it, that I, this would probably be one of my favorite games ever had I played it as a kid, but there were Same. just so many... RPGs like this for the Super Nintendo that I just never got around to it. Yeah, I agree. It, it looks great, sounds great, plays great. There's nothing wrong with that game. I can understand why it has such uh, love for it to this day. Yep. Uh, March 21st of 1999, one of your favorite Nintendo 64 games, Pokemon Snap, is released for the Nintendo 64 in Japan. I still need to play the new one, but I the concept is still... Like you think of it and it's just so stupid. You take pictures of Pokemon, but you can spend hours doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and, one, and it doesn't probably, take it's one of those deceptively simple games that just sucks you in. Yeah, is and the game's not that long. There's only like six or seven areas that you go through. So you could beat it in a couple of hours. But the next thing you know, you've played through the whole game. And you're like, oh wow. <laughs> Kinda wanna do it again again. Yeah. I forgot they did a remake of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't played the new one yet. I really want to. I've heard I've heard good things for the most part. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about that new uh, Pokemon game, the one that uh, is like, kind of like Breath of the Wild, Arceus or something. Yeah, Arceus. I, part of me wants to play it, but I really wish that with the open world Pokemon game that they would have gone back to the original region with the original 150 Pokemon. If they had done that, yeah, I'd probably be playing it right now. Maybe I should play it and let you know how it is. <laughs> uh, that would be awesome, actually. Uh, to close us out for this month in video game history, on March 22nd, 2002, The Sims overtakes Myst as all-time best-selling computer game, having sold 6.3 million units. People love The Sims. Yeah. I'm still playing it. Still. 
Is that what like Sims eight at this point? Like what are what what version of the Sims are they on now? Well, the concept of it is just so simple, but so brilliant. And it sucks you in because it's like you're, I want to say you're living vicariously through the game, but you kind of are. Yeah. I so, played one for, I think it might have been the original. It was either the original Xbox or the PlayStation 2, um, a Sims game. And I played it for like a weekend. I think I might have rented it. And I haven't played it since. Like, this is just not my cup of tea. Yeah, it's not mine either. You know, I love SimCity for the SNES, but once it got to be yeah. more advanced than that, I was just like, and it's also one of those games that I know if I started playing it, that it would suck me in mm-hmm. and I would just wouldn't do anything else. So that's why I'm very picky about like what I play casually. Yeah. I mean, I'll play a city builder all day long, but you know, when it comes down to like just making a character and just like, messing with them like not letting them go to the bathroom <laughs> things like that like i just oh, this doesn't like i don't know i don't want to do that yeah but uh but that brings us to our patreon shout outs before we go into our review for tonight so Derek, would you like to do the honors absolutely we want to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash retro we want to shout out tyler watson xblade 07 daniel salmon armez jackson Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, Ron Johnson, Mixmaster, Mike Eveland, Jennifer Eveland, and Mr. Brandon Rutledge. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the show. Keep the lights on for us here on the Nerd Cave Retro Show. I've, you're a part of our Patreon. You get early access to our fun commentary tracks, such as our 90s filled nostalgia track that we did last month with Batman, the animated series and gargoyles. I, I hope we at some point get to do maybe like an 80s uh, nostalgia show like that would be a lot of fun. That'd be awesome. But we we've done all kinds of fun commentary tracks like Clue going all the way back to Super Mario Brothers Christmas Vacation. We've done so many you get early access to those. Occasionally, you get to vote on show topics and what we review for the show. So if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head out over to patreon.com slash retro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or email, so we can give you a proper shout out. Hey, guys, we got to tell you about B-Res Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. They can even add flavors to your coffee like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Slayer Mocha Roast or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeecode.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... there for this game (laughs) so it kind of threw me off a little bit whenever i turned this game on for the first time when i started playing it you know getting ready for the review because i haven't played this game in a long long time and the game i'm talking about is toy story which is a side-scrolling platform game released by disney interactive studios in 1995 for the sega genesis Super Nintendo, Game Boy, and Microsoft Windows. I'll be reviewing the Super Nintendo version, though for the most part, they are the same. The Game Boy version doesn't have as many levels. The Genesis version, I think, has one extra one. But at its core, it's pretty much the same. So I never owned this game, but I did rent it from the old video store uh, from the town that I grew up in. 
I mentioned this when we did our Toy Story commentary track a few months ago. I was nine years old when Toy Story came out. So I was, I think, at that perfect age to appeal, you know, to like I was the perfect audience for when this movie came out. And Toy Story was huge. It was Pixar's first movie or first major movie. When the toys came out, you know, everybody had to get, you know, a, a Buzz Lightyear, Mr. Potato Head. All the characters, like everybody had to have everything Toy Story related. They had the McDonald's toys. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing about Toy Story. So naturally, there's going to be a video game. And this is actually one of the better uh, adaptations, if you will, because the the storyline, if you've watched the movie, the the storyline is basically the same. You you play as, as Woody for nine tenths of the game and you essentially go through the storyline of the movie where you know buzz is one of andy's presents he takes andy's uh or what he spot as andy's new favorite toy so on and so forth you've seen the movie you know how the story goes but it does add little differences or little intricacies that i liked so for example in the beginning you know, remember from the beginning of the movie when the toy soldiers go downstairs to spy on the, the party to see what Andy gets. So the first level is first you have to uh, climb up the different obstacles in Andy's room to open the, the, the bucket with the Green Army men. Then you have to find them their radio. Then they go downstairs. Then the cutscene follows where they're, they're like, you know, you see Buzz Lightyear, the toys run or the kids run up and then the next level is you have to get all the toys back to where they originally were before the kids barge in so it adds a little bit of a cool flair to it and but i think the biggest difference at least what i noticed is after you knock buzz out the window and all the other toys turn on woody one of the objectives for the next level is you have to get Rex to a certain point. Like he's being blocked by different obstacles. And that was never really a thing in the movie. So then for the next level, Rex is like, well, you knocked buzz out the window, but you helped me. So I guess you're all right. So then the next level is you have to ride on Rex throughout Andy's room while avoiding all the toys so you can escape. So that wasn't in the movie, but I actually thought that was, that was kind of cool. Man, I'm looking at screenshots of the game, and and man, it looks really good. Like they uh, they took uh, what they did with Donkey Kong Country and kind of applied it to Toy Story here. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my next point. Was the the art style? As soon as I started playing it, it took me back to the Donkey Kong Country days with that you know detailed looking background, and you can especially see the detail when you're in Sid's house and specifically his room when you see the the posters and like the old graded wood the windows it all looks really good and the i think the genesis version looks a little bit better than the super nintendo one mm-hmm. because i mean the graphics in general for the genesis i felt were slightly better but yeah it it is what it is but i still think the super nintendo version uh looks great but th- this added really kind of a new, I don't want to say appreciation, but there were other things that from the game that I wish maybe had been incorporated into said movie. So, for example, when you go to uh, Pizza Planet, and one of my favorite levels is you're actually, you know how Woody puts the giant uh, the paper cup over him as like yeah. a disguise? <laughs> you actually do that in one of the levels like you put the paper cup on and you move you know like you (laughs) waddle around a little bit as you progress through pizza plant to try and find andy and see i know exactly what you're talking about because i literally just watched toy story over the uh the christmas holidays it's the movie still holds up like you can tell that the the graphics aren't as good as today's pixar movies it still looks great though yeah they still they still hold up and, and people I also use this comparison with the matrix. You had to be around to really appreciate the importance of toy story and what it meant Mm 
uh-huh. for animation because we had never seen that style on that level before. Yeah. And but, it sparked a, a new animation style. Yeah. And, you know, I talked about it before that, you know, when we did the, didn't we do a, a commentary track? For, yep. Yeah. That might be what I'm thinking of. But I, no, I, we, we watched, I've watched it like twice in the last couple of months. Um, but this was the, the movie that made me want to be a computer animator. Like I was going to go to college. I had just, I was graduating high school when this movie came out, had no idea what I wanted to do. When this movie dropped, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a computer animator. And I was going to go, uh, they had just started a computer animation degree, uh, at some of the art institutes around the country. And I was, that's what I was going to go to school for. Like it's, I don't, you know, people just don't, that weren't around then, like can't appreciate like just being able to experience that for the first time. Cause like you said, we had never seen anything like that before. Well, I still remember going to the theater as a kid and seeing this, you know, on, on opening weekend. And I, I have much more appreciation for it now as an adult, now that I know the, the work that goes into that, you know, I was just blown away because we think of that, you know, hand-drawn animation style that we've seen in all other cartoons up to that point. But then you look at Toy Story and you're like, holy crap, this is, this is a game changer. Like, this is going to change the industry. And, and it has. And I'll be honest, I don't even remember this coming out on, on the Super Nintendo. I don't, even rem- I don't even remember this as a game. Because uh, around this time, like, I was out of console gaming at this point. This was the time I was really, from the 11th grade on, I was really into computers. Like, I was such a computer nerd at that point. Like, I was the only kid in high school that had a computer hooked up to the internet. Like, it was that type of thing. And, uh, you know, like, I just, I do not remember this at all being a game at that time. And plus, this was late in the Super Nintendo life cycle. Well, I remember reading about it in Nintendo Power, and that was what drew me to it. And they happened to have it at the, I still remember that old video store. As soon as you walk in the door to the right is like the game rack. And it wasn't that mm-hmm. big. You had like, maybe two rows of NES games and the rest were SNES and Sega Genesis. And I saw Toy Story and rented it, you know, played it. I, I never beat it as as a kid, unfortunately, but I, I got enough to really, you know, form form an appreciation of it. And I, I, I think playing it as an adult, there are a couple of things that I wish they would have done differently. I wish there was an alternative mode where you could play as buzz, Mm -hmm. even though he's missing for part of it, you could tweak it enough to where you can play as buzz, even though there is a little moment where you can play as buzz indirectly when they're at Sid's house and they get attacked by the the mutant toys (laughs) and you know he does the karate chop action where he (laughs) he presses buzzes back and he just starts chopping or whatever you do that in the game too to fend them off buzz does also um well let me backtrack a little bit so the only attack you really have is woody uses his pull string to um grapple hooks and swing to different areas um, you don't kill enemies. You wrap them up in rope so they can't attack you anymore. Mm-hmm. The only enemy that you quote unquote kill is when Woody is demoted to the the toy chest after Buzz comes around. He starts having nightmares. And in one of his nightmares, and when you actually get to play in, is he's attacked by a giant Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> and that's the only enemy that you kill. So technically he he kills buzz in his in his dreams <laughs> don't know what that says about his state of mental health know. but that's that's another discussion for another time but the level design is great um there's enough of a variety where you're not just playing as woody going through you know different houses or different rooms and doing the same thing you know you get to play as rc a couple of times which I'm not going to lie, going back and playing that portion kind of disappointed me because the controls suck. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like you, you get 
there's no real like traction with him if that makes any sense which was unfortunate because rc much like r2 with star wars rc's like top two uh toy story character for me yeah so that that was unfortunate but i I did like that they added that element you could play as rc twice when you try to knock buzz out the window and then at the end whenever you're racing to catch up with the the moving truck um, you get to play as uh, Woody on Roller Bob, which was the the hybrid skateboard and action figure type deal uh, where you're going through um, Sid's house and also being chased by uh, by Scud, Sid's dog. But other than that, you know, it, it pretty much just follows the the storyline of the movie. And it's I don't want to say it's nothing special because I don't want to say that it's bad because i it's a good game it's not a great game but it's one that if you're a fan of toy story i think you'd have fun going back and playing it if you're not you probably won't like it as much yeah i was looking at some of the uh the reviews here from back in back then they're kind of all over the place like that they nobody really liked the pc version uh, you know, they, they criticize this poor controls, uneven difficulty. Um, the SNES, uh, GamePro said that despite stunning graphics, uh, it's an uninspiring gameplay. It makes for merely fleeting fun. Uh, and Superplay wrote that while the Genesis version marked a new high point in graphics and gameplay, the Super NES version can't help but be compared to Donkey Kong Country 2. And that's a comparison where it will lose every time. And and that's kind of unfair. Yeah. I mean, Donkey Kong Country, like it, it, it set the standard and it was like the first game to have that kind of look to it. And Donkey Kong Country 2 was even better. But I, I don't know. I kind of look at these adaptations in their own category because I, I think with those, we have certain expectations. Like we're not expecting it to be a Donkey Kong country or a link to the past or a super Mario world. We know it's not going to be a game changer, no pun intended, but we like the movie. We like the characters and we like playing as them on our console of choice. It kind of feels to me like you could do worse when it comes to licensed games. Yeah. This game's not bad at all. Like it, it has its flaws, but overall I, I like it. As I mentioned, I don't love it because it's not a it's not a earth shattering, you know, epic platformer that changed my life. It was fun to go back and play as Woody and go into that universe of Toy Story and seeing characters like Buzz and Mr. Potato Head, Rex, Ham, the Army Men. Yeah. That you know, I that I grew up loving because I love those movies. And that that's all this game needed to be for me. So uh, I, I it's one of the better adaptations that I've played and I still need to play uh, Lion King. I still need to play Aladdin. Well, I've played a little bit of Aladdin, but not extensively enough to form a full opinion on it. But it's it's one of the better ones. And I mean, I, I wouldn't give it an extremely high score, but I, I'd say one to ten, I'd say probably like like a six, six yeah. and a half. That seems like it would be right around there. Kind of a middle of the road. Like if you're going to play this type of game, you know, and like I said, it's unfair to c- compare it to like Donkey Kong or Donkey Kong country. But you know, those games really did kind of set the standard. But like you said, if you're into like toy story and, and Disney properties and stuff, you could do a lot worse than this. I think if you're a fan of those things, this, this sh- should probably be in your collection because you know it was very rare to get a good um you, you know licensed game back then most of the time licensed games were bottom of the barrel crap shovelware basically yeah so if you get one that is decent which i say this one is then you should definitely give it a shot yeah i'm surprised they didn't put this or something close to this on uh, the Nintendo 64, because the Nintendo 64 came out, what, like less than a year later? Because this released in 
the Sega this Genesis game came out in '95. Came out in November '95, and and on the Super Nintendo in December of '95. And they did do the Game Boy version, which came out in 1996. And the the Nintendo 64 came out in '96, didn't it? I think so. So I wonder why they didn't do a port. It's weird when they get around like the late stage of their consoles. Like they they'll put stuff out like this for you know like the older console, but the newer one they won't do anything for. And they did that a lot. They mm-hmm. kind of still do that when you think about it. Yeah, I I don't know. It would have been interesting to see how they transitioned this game to 3D. I don't know that it would have worked, but I would have been interested for them to you know, maybe have it as like I know it would have been a year after the movie, but Yeah, but you're you're talking about Toy Story which is in a 3D world already. It would have true. made a very easy jump to a 3D world a la, you know, Mario 64. Well, and you also had Toy Story 2 that came out a couple of years later. Yeah. So, I don't know. It seems like... that. Let me just... Out of sheer curiosity, let me see if they put a Toy Story game for N64. There may have been a Toy Story 2 for N64. Just to see. Uh, they did. They put Toy Story 2 on Nintendo 64. Okay. That might be something you'll have to review for yeah. next Disney Disney month. I, I like the months that we do with like the special the special themes. Yeah, it's not expensive either. You can get one right now on eBay for fourteen ninety nine. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at I'll all. I have to look to see if they have it here locally. Yeah, but yeah, I think but that's yeah. a fair score for it. Six out of ten. It's not bad. It's not. Not great, but it's not bad. Yeah, it's not going to change your life. It's not going to be the greatest platformer you ever play. But if you like Toy Story, if you like that universe, I think you'll have fun with it. Yeah, I I had fun going back and playing it. I might have to. Uh, I probably won't buy a copy, but I might have to grab a ROM or so here. I think I got one somewhere because I have a thumb drive with every single Super Nintendo ROM on it. And I'm not gonna say how I got it, but <laughs> I have it. You, you, you were able to obtain it. Uh, yeah. Through some <laughs> somehow, you were able to obtain I it. I did not purchase it though; it was given to me. So, well, then, then it's okay. Yeah, then it's um, okay. But yeah, that's gonna bring us to the end of this episode. And uh, next week, I am trying frantically to play <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I played it a lot over this last weekend. I got kind of frustrated with a couple of parts in there and we'll go over all that next week. So we're going to talk about kingdom hearts for the PS two next week. That'll be fun. I, I think this is a game that's been overdue oh, to yeah. review on the show. Cause it's when it comes to iconic games from the PS two era, kingdom hearts is up there. I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. I, and I'm having fun with it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to bash it or anything, but there are a couple of nitpicky things I have about it, but it's not, it's just because it's that era of gaming. <laughs> I have a feeling you and I will probably have the same gripes yeah. with it. It's things that, that we've improved upon in the last 20 years. Just slightly. Just slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that brings us to the end of the episode. What you got going on in the life of Mr. Derek Diamond? Uh, not too much, just, you know, getting ready for, for the wedding next month. But in the meantime, um, I know feature presentation still on hiatus, but all the episodes are still online. If you want to listen to them, they're on uh, Apple podcast and Spotify. If you want to check out the video versions, uh, you can go to feature presentation on YouTube, uh, the reviews and interviews that I've done as well as like the top five segments are on YouTube as well. Uh, just search for feature presentation. Follow the show at feature press pod on social media to find out uh, when the show will be coming back, which I'll probably announce that probably right after the, the way I've, I've got an idea of what I want to do. I'm just finalizing it. So yeah. stay tuned and uh, go check out me over on the open, open micers podcast with Mr. Jacob Craig, who you've seen here on this show a few times. Um, we just talked to uh, Mr. Jared Seymour again on the show, who from the Sound 228 
and the Brownwater Banter Podcast. So he's got a lot a lot of stuff to say since the last time we talked to him on Open Micers about uh, you know having a successful podcast because he's doing really well with those two podcasts, and we talk about that uh, a lot. So that's going to be a good episode when it drops this Friday. Yeah, Brownwater Banter's been, he's got to be over 100 episodes now. Yeah, he, he's been uh, doing that show for a little over two years now. Nice. And, um, yeah, I didn't realize it'd been that long that uh, that we haven't we had him on the show. He was like episode twenty or somewhere around there, and we're almost episode one hundred now. So, well, I remember when he launched that show. Yeah, and I thought it was a cool concept. So I'm I'm glad he's still doing it. Yeah, and he's doing really well with it too. Um, selling lots of merch. I mean, they're all over the place. You can't go anywhere without seeing somebody wearing a brown water banter T-shirt. So they're doing very well. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, go check that out at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. So Derek, I think that's it. You ready to get out of here? Let's do it. If you would like to email us, you can email us at uh, nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. You can go buy merch at ncrmerch.com. We got all kind of shirts and bags and uh, wall art and stickers and all kind of stuff over there. Go check us out also at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro where you get an ad-free version of the show. Oh, we said all that at the beginning of the show. Just go over there and throw us a dollar a month. If you can't do that, please leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. There's a snake in my booth. <laughs> I love the power glove. It's so bad.